0: KPBS On Demand is supported by the University of San Diego, offering professional and continuing education courses in the areas of business, education, healthcare, and engineering. For enrollment opportunities, visit pce.sandiego.edu.
1: Good morning, I'm Debbie Cruz. Happy New Year, it's Tuesday, January 3rd, 2023. California rang in the new year with an atmospheric river that dumped close to three inches of rain in some areas of San Diego County. And NOAA meteorologist Alex Tardy says more rain is on the way.
2: Remember how warm it was on Christmas Day? Well, that's a distant memory. So now we've seen two big storms in Southern California since Christmas Day. And we're going to see another one on Thursday. And we potentially will remain on and off with wet weather into the middle of January.
1: Tardy says it's a good idea to prepare now by cleaning out those gutters and putting sandbags in flood-prone areas. San Diego's first ever female sheriff took office yesterday. Kelly Martinez has been with the sheriff's office since 1985 and started her career working in the county's jails. Most recently, she was the undersheriff in charge of the department's day-to-day operations. She was elected in November, beating out retired criminal prosecutor John Hammerling. As sheriff, Martinez will lead a department that provides law enforcement for the county's unincorporated areas in nine contract cities and runs the county's jails. An annual report finds women continue to be dramatically underrepresented in the film industry. The Celluloid ceiling Study from SDSU looked at the top 250 grossing films of 2022, only 7% of cinematographers for those films were women. Women represented 21% of editors and 19% of writers. SDSU Center for the Study of Women in Television and Film has been tracking these numbers since 1998 and has seen the numbers of women in film increase by just 7% in the last 25 years. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need.
0: KPBS on Demand is supported by UC San Diego Osher Lifelong Learning Institute, hosting an open house to learn about the upcoming classes and seminars, member benefits, and meet the volunteer leadership team Saturday, March 30th. Registration at extendedstudies.ucsd.edu/olli.
1: As of the first, California and the city of San Diego's minimum wage increased. Alan Jin is an economics professor at USD and says the newest wage increase takes into account a few factors, like inflation and the consumer price index.
2: So when prices rise, the, the minimum wage is going to rise to help compensate workers then for the increased living costs. And that's what's happening then in 2023. Inflation was particularly high here in San Diego, so the minimum wage is going to go up about 8%.
1: That translates to an increase of $16.30 an hour. Constitutional law expert Dan Eaton says it's still not a living wage in San Diego.
2: It's pretty clear that when you do the math, it's going to fall short of that. But it's still moving it closer to that ideal, and that's worth something.
1: This wage increase is higher than the state's minimum wage increase to $15.50 an hour. Among the other new laws taking effect this month, one that restricts creative expression from being used in criminal cases. Eaton says this includes rap lyrics. It turns out that particularly
2: African-American males were having the fact that they created rap lyrics that have some uh, violent or misogynistic elements used against them in criminal proceedings.
1: San Diego prosecutors use rap lyrics as justification in part for the 2014 arrest of local rap artist Tiny Doo. He was later awarded half of a $1.5 million wrongful arrest settlement paid by the city. 2022 was an eventful year for immigration policy. KPBS Porter reporter Gustavo Salis spoke with experts frustrated with President Joe Biden's inability to roll back some of the Trump-era immigration policies.
2: The Trump administration spent four years enacting hardline immigration policies. They're sending people that have lots of problems And they're bringing those problems with us. They're bringing drugs, they're bringing crime, they're rapists, and some I assume are good people. They included building another border wall, restricting the U.S. asylum system, and threatening to end deferred action for childhood arrivals, which is known as DACA. Two years into the Biden administration, immigration advocates say that the rhetoric has changed from the Trump years, but the reality of what's actually going on in the border? Well, that's largely stayed the same. Blaine Bookie is a legal director at the Center for Gender and Refugee Studies. She says Trump policies like Title 42 have radically changed the political discourse around asylum. Title 42 is a public health order that allows border officials to turn back asylum seekers without a court hearing.
1: You know, they have completely flipped our understanding of asylum. They have made it seem like access to asylum at our border is an aberration when actually it's these policies, these new policies only from the last few years that are the aberration. For 40 years before that, people were able to come to the border and seek asylum.
2: While activists continue to decry Biden's approach to Title 42 and other immigration policies, conservatives slam him for being too soft on border security. Advocates say that it isn't just asylum policies that have carried over from the Trump years. DACA is still under threat and the border wall continues to be expanded. Aaron Reichlin Melnick is the policy director for the American Immigration Council. He is among many who are frustrated with the fact that DACA is still frozen in place. The Obama-era program provides protections to undocumented immigrants who came here as minors. No new DACA applications have been processed since 2018 when the Trump administration sought to end the program. Despite the Democrat control of the White House and Congress, nothing has changed when it comes to DACA. As of today, Dreamers and other undocumented youth have just as much insecurity in their lives as they did at the beginning of the year. Pedro Rios is the director of the U.S.-Mexico Border Program at the American Friends Service Committee. He says that advocates here remain frustrated over what they consider broken campaign promises. A particular sore spot for Rios is that the Border Patrol continues to block access to Friendship Park, which is located along the border just south of Imperial Beach. This is one of the only places along the Mexico border where people from either side can spend time together. We still don't have access to the area that is known as the enforcement zone. This is the area between the primary and the secondary border barriers. And again, the rationale for not having access uh, doesn't necessarily make sense. On the Mexican side of the border, people who work with migrants also say that not much has changed in the last year. They point out racial inequities in border enforcement. Title 42 gives border officials the discretion to grant exemptions on a case-by-case basis, but Ukrainian refugees and other white European migrants have had easier access to those exemptions than black and brown migrants from Latin America. So says Erika Pineiro, the executive director of Al Otro Lado, the LA-based legal rights organization that's helped hundreds of migrants in Mexico.
3: I think, by and large, it's Black and Indigenous migrants who are left out. So it's not a fair process now, and I don't see the administration making plans to make it a fair process even after the end of Title 42.
2: However, while advocates are not optimistic that 2023 will be much different than 2022, they see some rays of hope. They point to a recent poll showing that the majority of Democrats and Republicans support offering asylum to people fleeing their homes. Again, here's Bookie from the Center for Gender and Refugee Studies.
1: You know, Americans see through that. Um, you know, I think the example of the Ukrainians just helped to highlight for, you know, Americans that, you know, what is the purpose of the U.S. asylum system and why do people need to come to our border sometimes in order to access that protection?
2: She says public opinion polling around DACA shows a similar dynamic. She believes it's possible that the policy might catch up to public opinion, regardless. We're likely in for another eventful year at the border. Gustavo Solis, KPBS News.
1: Coming up, San Diego's losing a cinematic treasure. We'll have that story and more next, just after the break. Yesterday was the last day of San Diego's annual international auto show. It was held at the San Diego Convention Center over the holiday weekend. Here's KPBS reporter Jacob Ayer.
2: San Diego's annual car show looked much like it had before the pandemic. Packed with thousands of people, new car releases, and lots of vibrant colors. But the one noticeable difference was the unavoidable presence of hybrid and electric vehicles. That was good news for Guillermo Barajón, who has been looking for a new, fully electric car alongside his wife. Well, we know that uh, the EVs is the way to go uh, with the gas prices as they are. Uh, we're looking to uh, just upgrade so that we can have a vehicle that's going to last us for a few years. Barajon says another factor for them getting a fully electric vehicle is California's upcoming policy that all new cars, pickup trucks, and SUV sales in California will have to be electric or hydrogen by 2035. Jacob Ayer, KPBS News.
1: Beginning in the 1940s, the Cannes Cinema brought foreign and independent films to San Diego, but the single-screen landmark has been vacant for the past two years. Now KPBS arts reporter Beth Accomando says the building has been sold. The news I got just before Christmas was certainly
3: a lump of coal in my stocking. The Ken Cinema, which first opened in 1946, had been sold and would no longer be a theater. Here's what Randy Collander hawk a member of the family that sold the Ken, said today in a Facebook message. This is a decision amongst the family. We will all miss the Ken and what my grandfather created out of love for film. Her grandfather was Robert Birkin. He had a business card boasting that the Ken was San Diego's only exclusive foreign and arts cinema. He was ahead of his time and gifted San Diego with a place to watch films as a community. Ethan Vontilo, executive director of the Media Arts Center, tried but failed to purchase the cinema last summer. He recalled what the Ken meant to him when he came to San Diego 30
2: years ago. It was that space where you could, you know, get their calendar and check out all the independent films and foreign films, losing that opportunity to see great independent cinema in a, a public space, a community space where you could watch the movie and then afterwards you talk about the movie. Again, very sad day for San Diego to lose such a iconic cinema.
3: The loss of such a cinematic treasure during the streaming age is also a sign of changing times. Beth Accomando, KPBS News.
1: That's it for the podcast today. As always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. I'm Debbie Cruz. Thanks for listening and have a great day.